episode 134, Jessica Jones, season 1, episode 5, a.k.a. The Sandwich Saved Me. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about some Jessica Jones. I'm here to talk about some superhero action. I'm here to talk about superhero costumes and sandwiches and mind control and flashbacks and kidnapping vans. (laughs) And I'm not here to do it alone. I'm here with my friend and yours. The one, the only, the dandy, Daniel Butcher. How you doing, Dandy Daniel? You had me at sandwich, Ben. You <laughs> had me at sandwich. You know, I just can't help feeling that, you know, if we can't share a sandwich with each other, Daniel, then what are we doing this for anyway? I need my own. Oh, I think if we get a big enough sandwich. Can we cut it? Some sort of giant hoagie or something. If we cut it, then it's like we each have one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we absolutely would cut it. We're okay. not going to share the sandwich off the same plate. Okay, that, that would just be awkward. No, no. This isn't like this we've isn't like Lady of the Tramp sandwich hands. style. Yeah, we've never even held hands. No, no, no. We're definitely cutting the sandwich and having two separate plates, maybe even two separate wrappers. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just. I don't think we're close enough. <laughs> no, and part of that is you know actual distance of closeness. So. So here we are, Daniel. We're here to talk about The Sandwich Saved Me. And there's no news. There's nothing no. for us to talk about news-wise. Can't, use our, can't you use our cool sounder? Yeah, which I'd have to change anyway because it's not perfect. But uh, I think we just need to jump into it. I, I do have a conundrum as we move into our next segment, though. So should we get into the next segment and then I'll do the conundrum? Let's do it. Okay. Preliminary investigation. Okay, for people who are just joining us for the first time, this is the segment where we play phone messages that we have left for ourselves because we binge watched this earlier. We are recording this later and we've on, on a second viewing. So as we record this, we've seen the entire series. We wanted to get our fresh, just right after the episode is done, opinions and thoughts. So that's what we have here, Daniel. And I'm going to play yours first because I have a conundrum with mine. All right, let's get those fresh thoughts. All right. By the way, we are spoiling, and and we haven't done a spoiler alert for a lot of these, but we are spoiling up through the episode that we're in right now. So we were we're going to talk about the sandwich saved me and any episode that came before this, but we're going to try not to mention anything at all about anything that happens after this episode. So here's Daniel and his thoughts right after watching the sandwich saved me. Hey, 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 what's going on, boys? Here I am, sitting in the hub, just got done with Jessica Jones, episode five, a.k.a. The Sandwich Saved Me. Hey, Hoagie, stew for one, all day, all day. (laughs) Hey, this is a very different Marvel show, just like the Mac, uh, Jessica Jones' Mac series was a very different comic. It was definitely a different show for Marvel. I cannot believe 
the images that they put it, put into our mind as far as the uh, adult relations um, had me a little shocked. Again, this isn't the Avengers. Though Captain America did make an appearance. Did everybody see Captain America? Did you see him? Did you? Did you? Because he was running through the park. I got a little more background on Jessica, and I will say I do enjoy how they have MCU'd uh, the Spectrum personality and persona, and the fact that, at least in this episode, she wants nothing to do with it. Um, and again, showing the disadvantage of loose masks. Good job. No capes, no loose masks. I really feel for Malcolm. He once controlled, now he's just a drug addict, and it's it's painful to watch. Uh, he's he's definitely gone to a uh, self-destructive spiral. But yet, Jessica's still a good person. Uh, all the the cynical in nature in her, all the meanness, all the uh, the rawness, she's still willing to to do things to protect Malcolm, um, which includes reengaging that relationship with Kilgrave. And hey, how about that action adventure scene? Trying to grab Kilgrave. I, I do hope that we uh, do see Kilgrave get grabbed here. Uh, I don't want to see him stuck. But hey, Jessica and him are now engaged. They're locked in. And uh, I guess, who knows, maybe we're ready to rumble. Peace out later, bye. Fairly positive-sounding Daniel right there. Yeah, I'm a positive sort of guy. You can be. You can be. You, you seem to be right there, right then. Hey, I love Ant-Man now. I mean, how long before Iron Man 3? I think it's only <laughs> only a matter of time, Daniel. That's it's not It's only a matter of time. Not happening. So I'm going to play this message, and then we'll get into the conundrum from past men. Okay? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Hello, Daniel. Hello, future Ben. Uh, I think your voicemail cut off on me last time because, um, it, well, mainly because it cut off on me last time and didn't get to finish my message. Uh, but I don't remember what I was going to say and probably was just like something like goodbye or something. I don't know. I'm going to try to keep this shorter. I promise. And if I don't keep this shorter, I might call back Ben. So please, future Ben, play the second part of the message if I have to. Uh, I've already wasted enough time talking about this, so here, here's my instant reaction to Marvel's Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 5, a.k.a. The Sandwich Save Me. And The Sandwich Save Me. It's a great title, great line in the episode. Uh, the context is funny, it's goofy, but it's part of that superhero trope of what happens, you know, with the first save, the first mission, the first time you really use your powers as a hero. And she does it in costume. The costume she does it in, a sandwich. It's kind of fun, kind of funny, turning that superhero trope on its head. It reminds me a little bit of a goofy version of the Batgirl, you know, who is on her way to a costume party dressed as, you know, a female Batman, and, and she ends up stopping a crime. But, you know, here here she is dressed up as a sandwich, but then we're going to take that trope a little bit more, and we're going to have her, you know, talk to her, her roommate at the time, and she's got a superhero suit for her. It's the jewel suit from the comics. It's... Even the jewel name is recommended. Uh, but, you know, we've got to take the, the, take a pot shot at the goofiness of superheroes and, uh, MCU it here. And I, I don't mind it because 
it's modern modern storytelling. You have to do that, but at the same time, you know, do you have to? It's it's cliche now to make fun of the cliche. I think. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the villain, uh, Kilgrave. I like him. He's menacing, but he's not compelling to me. Fisk was always compelling, but Kilgrave not so much. He's just he's a shark. He's Jaws right now. Uh, you don't want to be around him. He is a scary thing to be around. But at the same time that he's a scary thing to be around, I don't really care too much about him as a character. Maybe that'll change. Maybe we'll get some backstory. I don't know. Um, we're only on episode five. Uh, I can't remember when we got the backstory for Fisk. But Fisk was compelling to me before we got the backstory. Kilgrave is just very menacing to me and very scary and very evil. Uh, and it works. But the other thing that's different from Daredevil is this feels like the 13-hour movie I thought we were going to get with Daredevil. This feels more like a one singular narrative uh, rather than episodes with, you know, singular, uh, single episodes with single problems that feed into this bigger problem. This feels more like it's a 13 So there's the conundrum, Daniel. Paspen well, did call back. He asked. He did ask, but he's breaking the rules. Really? Well, we leave a three-minute message. There are no rules, Ben. It's the open highway. All right. Play his message. Here it is. Okay, future Ben. You're in the future, so I don't know if you're actually going to use the second message. I'm hoping you do, but I don't know if you're going to. I can't know if you're going to unless there's some sort of overlap between now and when you record this episode about episode five and when I actually send in my voicemail for the last message. Please play my second message because I just wanted to finish my thought. And if you don't use this, there will be, there, there will be, I promise, consequences. I promise that. I will consequence you. You will be paying consequences, and I will consequence your face. I will consequence you right in the gut. I don't even know what that means other than I'm using it as a verb, like Professor Allen on the Relatively Geeky Network. Anyway, uh, future Ben, I just want to finish my thought. that This feels like the 13-hour movie. It is that 13-hour movie where it's it's there's single episodes, yes, but they don't feel like they have a real uh, big clear a plot and then the that supports this bigger overarching plot this feels like we're just following that bigger overarching plot throughout the whole story and i like that feeling so that's my instant reaction i think i spent more time threatening you than giving you the remainder of that thought but uh future ben i i i'm sorry i i feel a little embarrassed now but um i'm also feeling hungry that sandwich made me, made me hungry. I think I might go get something to eat. So, uh, sorry. Bye. What was... I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm... Yes, past Ben really wanted a sandwich. He did. He did. I wonder if he, I wonder if past Ben would share a sandwich with you. He would. I bet he would. Not with you, but with me. Yes. Well, I think it's time for us to move on and and start our discussion about this episode. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Surveillance report. So, also known as the sandwich saved me, 
this episode had a mission statement for what this episode is going to give us. Do you want to hear what I believe the big idea, the mission statement, you could possibly call it even the theme of this episode is? Let's hear it, Ben, because it sounds like you've possibly thought too much about this. No, I don't think so. It goes like this. And Jessica says it. There's before Kilgrave. There's after Kilgrave. And that's what we're given in this episode. We get to see Jessica. We get to see her before Kilgrave. And then, of course, we see her after Kilgrave. But we also see Malcolm briefly before. And then we see him after. And for some of the other people, we're just seeing after. Hope, we're seeing after. Uh, For Trish, even, there's some of that before and after. But it's, it's primarily we get to see Jessica before and after and we get to see Malcolm before and after and that that's kind of just what the whole episode is about for me uh the second time watching I heard that statement I, I was remembering what I what this episode was was doing and I thought ah, that's it that's it that's what this episode gives us I don't think I'm thinking too much about it putting too no much I, I think overthought I, I into mean, it they straight out say it before Kilgrave after Kilgrave and Jessica says it, and when you hear it, it's like, oh, she's talking about herself. It's not really who she was talking about. But really, it was. But it is. It is. Because we're getting flashbacks. And these flashbacks that we get, we get her dressed as a sandwich and saving a little girl from a car. Uh, why is she dressed as a sandwich? Because of another flashback 18 months ago, which surprised me a little bit, you know, that we were, were going back that far into you know her life before but she's she has a job in a cubicle she's sarcastic but when a jerk comes and causes trouble for her she just says you know what fire me uh, give me six months pay and i won't tell anybody about the illegal activity that you've been doing boom now her parents get brought up uh the the guy says um something about her parents and she knocks down all of these filing cabinets uh, because she gets angry. But yeah, That's I mean, totally thinking of the Incredibles when that happened. Uh, then next we see Jessica and Trish together before Kilgrave. It's what what were they like together? What was Jessica like when she's with someone she actually likes? And didn't Jessica giggle? She's laughing. She's enjoying herself. She's still sarcastic. Yeah, she's still got an edge. No, she absolutely has an edge. I mean, we saw the, it's, the edge of that You know what it is? Too, I, I actually did maybe see an episode of that that bee from apartment don't, whatever. Yeah, don't trust the bee in apartment yeah. 2B it, or something It's like. kind of that attitude. She's giggly, but she's harsh and hard. And yeah. her attitude is fairly like, eh, what happens, happens. And, you know, she's going to be friends with someone like Trish who they've known each other all their life. I could see her being really off-putting for new friends. But she doesn't need new friends. She has Trish. She has Patsy Walker. You know, and should we talk about that real quick, even though it's going a little bit further? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you want to talk well, about? Well, we, I've, you've often got to wonder, what is the link here between the oh, two? Yeah. And, you know, she's filling the role that Captain Marvel filled. Or Miss Marvel, as she was known at that time, Carol Danvers, of this close friend and confidant that we saw in the comics. But here we've gotten, what, five episodes so far, and we see this relationship between Patsy and Jessica. And Patsy gives, 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 and gives. 
And Jessica, she takes. She doesn't seem overly upset about the taking. You know, it seems to just be part of their relationship. She also can't give. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like she's like feeling bad about the taking sometimes. You know what I mean? No, no. But she is, you know, when, when, when Patsy, when Trish needed comforting later on, needed encouragement later on, Jessica was just, no, I can't give that to you. Don't look for that from me because I just can't give it to you. Yeah, she doesn't know how to do that. No, no. And uh, so, and you know, we do get some. There's a moment with Simpson and Trish later on in the episode where basically um, Simpson looked up her Wikipedia page. Yeah, and and we find out is- that they have that they that Trish's family took in Jessica after. A terrible car accident. Now, we knew the random accident from last episode, but from this episode, we're getting one more step into that backstory. And now we know why Trish gives and gives and gives is because it is a relationship closer than friend. They really are in the truest sense of the way sisters. Mm -hmm. So when we we've heard these comments from Jessica before about her mom. You know, she doesn't know. Uh, my wife and her best friend, you know, my wife has met her mom's, but uh, her best friend's mom, like maybe twice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she knows of this person and has heard of this person. But I'll, I'll argue that, you know, she's not experienced this person. She She's had dinners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, but it's, it's not an like acquaintance. She knows but, her yeah. In, yeah. But Jessica knows all the stories about mom. Because she lived through these stories about mom. And and maybe it was because of Patsy that they adopted or whatever they did with Jessica. But, you know, she lived as a sister with Patsy. And so it makes sense now on why Patsy gives and gives and gives. Because she truly loves Jessica. It's more than friendship. It's more than comrades. It's more than band of brothers. It is. They are family. A non-traditional family, but that's what they are. And that's why Patsy is here trying to protect Jessica in the same way that Jessica earlier with Simpson was attempting to protect, protect Patsy. Yeah, well, and we even get a little bit of it in the the bar where they're together, still in that flashback. Of that protection where there's this jerky pickup artist coming and talking to Trish and realizing who she is. And Jessica's like, nope, nope, you're, you're done. And I'm going to I'm going to make it done. Um, and we're going to do a strength test, play the strength test game. And she just makes this guy look like a chump. Now, how is she protecting Trish? You know, she's not going out and beating up the guy who has you know done something bad. But she but she would have. She would have. She didn't need to. She makes the guy look like a fool, makes the guy feel bad. Uh, and then the guy is is done. He is he is done trying to impress or to get Trish to, to be with him. So, yeah. From here, though, we go into uh, Jessica talking with Trish about Malcolm and following Malcolm as he makes a drop photos with Kilgrave. She sees Kilgrave. This is a moment. I was not expecting this moment this early on in this episode. You know, it was just, oh, all of a sudden, there he is. She's surprised. I'm surprised. Were you surprised? You weren't surprised. I wasn't surprised. You weren't surprised. Of course you weren't. You were ahead of the game. 
head of the game. But that's me, buddy. Then First we in class. <laughs> then we find out that also Kilgrave doesn't do it the same way twice. He'll send people to give Malcolm a message to tell him where to go next. And the this time when Jessica goes and follows the Kilgrave's at a magazine vendor looking at magazines and the guy's like, it's not a library. It's not a library. And Kilgrave just casually tells him to throw a cup of coffee in his face. And, you know, this is where we're getting into who is Kilgrave and what does he do? He doesn't care. He, he just doesn't care about anyone. He's completely disconnected to any kind of um, empathy. I think. He, he doesn't need to care. He's so disconnected from the human race. And so she's, she watches him go away and now she's got to figure out what do we do with this information? And uh, she goes back to her apartment. Ruben brings her some banana bread. She tries to call Trish. Trish won't answer the phone. So here we're talking about, you know, this sisterhood, this protective relationship they have but why won't she answer the phone so jessica goes to the phone or to to the apartment rather and why won't she answer the phone well because she's engaged in what you were talking about with the the relations with with simpson and and you know this is going a little far with with the the visuals of of the sexual relationships we're getting it's i'm I'm just going to say I, this, this is going much further than, than I feel comfortable with. Uh, I don't like it. Um, they don't show anything. They show basically they put, what amounts to the silhouettes of what's going on there under the sheet. They, they but, put ideas in your head. Yeah. That's really what's occurring here is they are putting the idea that a sex act is occurring. Without now, having, without having to show it, you know, and so you can kind of get away with it with that. Even though it's an MA rating. You know, so but they, the thing about it is, I, I'm not going to say necessarily that I didn't feel like it didn't fit in. It seemed very much like what we've seen with Netflix in many ways, that they'd pushed the envelope. The thing about it for me, though, was is it really threw me off. Because we would never see anything like that in, age of, in, in agents. You know, that would be, mm-hmm. you know, we've hinted, we've had doors, we've had looks, we've walked into rooms. But to actually insinuate that a sex act is occurring in the room has not happened. And then to see something like that in an Avengers movie would – that's just not going to happen. Well, it's it's not PG-13. Yeah. You know? So, and, I mean, and, things have really ramped up here as far as the maturity level and who the target audience is. Because, you know, while I may not be – I'm not really arguing about it and I'm not really upset about it. But I would say I don't want my kids watching it. No, I, I would agree. And, and this is definitely one of those scenes where this says this isn't for everyone. And this is actually one of those scenes that says to me, I, I'm not coming back to this. I'm watching this two times through for the show. Um, but I'm not I'm probably not coming back to Jessica Jones. Uh, I hope to see her again in other episodes and other series. But I, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm probably not coming back to this this particular series it's not just this though i mean there is just the the depression well yeah i mean the the real themes that we're dealing with of control of addiction of a lack of control 
of manipulation, all of these things, they are things that are powerful because we've talked about this before. They're powerful because they come from a real place in the real world. And I'm glad to talk through these things and I'm glad to be forced to confront some of these things that I will never have to confront uh, because of my position in life and because of my gender and, and, and those kind of things. I'm glad to be forced to confront and to think about these things in in watching a superhero show, you know. But now, like I said, it's not I something I'm playing. Show to... a little bit. What? Can I confront the show a little bit about this in a different way, in a story way? Sure. Is this too soon? Absolutely. Because we just saw her freaked out by him. We just saw her, you know, telling him he has to walk to the end of a hall. And be completely terrified with him. And how does she go from sitting at a kitchen table with a gun to his head to being in bed with no clothes on? Now, I, I was trying to figure out the timeline here. Is this the next day? Because you I, almost I, get I, the impression oh, that it is. It it makes me feel as if that is what occurred, that she might have some mental problems. That deal that is caused by her fears and trepidations and the stuff and trauma that she's been through. But I, I mean, if she's going straight from, I am so afraid of you, you have to stand to the back of the hallway to let's have aerobics together. It makes me worry about her mental health. It makes me, to me, this is kind of the first storytelling misstep uh, as far as characterization goes. I mean, this is a character drama. And we are moving from, like you said, where she is still feeling very much uh, the trauma of being assaulted by this man. Now, it was assaulted by this man and he wasn't in control. And I don't know, you know, who else is involved in her life as far as, you know. I think I would just find it more believable, you know, looking at the events of the whole episode. You know, he's being very, very protective in this episode. He is doing stuff with her and being encouraging to her. Maybe if I'd seen that stuff happen before this, this scene would have felt more believable. We needed to see her, him earn her trust. Yes. And, and again, I think you can argue, you know, things happened off camera that we just need to assume occurred. But I don't see it. Yeah. And, and so, again, I don't have problems with them as adults behaving in this way. What I have problems with is them as characters behaving in this way. Yeah, it, it, it it's jarring. And, and part of it is because of what you're actually seeing. But then part of it is because, wait, this is happening now. And yeah, it, because, it, because even if time has passed for us, it hasn't. And there's no indication of how much time has passed. And again, we see them sitting at a table starting to talk. But if we're being asked to accept Simpson as an ally and as a lover for a character that we like, really an ally for Jessica and a, and a lover then for, for Trish, um, we need to see them build the relationship. It can't be a deleted and- scene. And because of the fact that we haven't seen that get built, it does feel like it's just in there to shock. Yeah. Yeah. And and that brings us into the gratuitous side of things. Yeah. So let's move on to the relationship stuff then, because this is where we do get some relationship building with him and Jessica. Um, 
she comes in and she has a plan. She knows where she can, if not where she can find Kilgrave, how she can find him. And she has a plan to kidnap him, drug him, kidnap him, take him away where he can be kept drugged. And she needs help. So she's coming and asking for help from Trish. Simpson also wants in and he's, you know, explains you can't, you can't take him out like that. Snipers take setup. You have to make plans. Just a nice bullet to the head is great. And, you know, I, I wrote the note about him was he's a know-it-all who actually knows his stuff. He, he, he's coming in. He's wants wanting to be that hero. He's confident. He is confident. And he, he gets in. He's he's allowed to be a part of things with with Jessica because he's another one of Kilgrave's victims. And he wants revenge, I think. He he wants to kill this man who did this to him, but he also wants to be the man who saves the day. Yeah, he also wants to protect that victim that he was sent there to hurt. And perhaps a lady that he's now smitten with. You know, who am I to criticize? You know, Jane and Thor's relationship was built on one nice weekend in New Mexico. I mean, it's a, it's a land of enchantment, so I Except get it. Thor didn't try to kill Jane. So there's a slight difference. Well, it's Jane just, tried to a, kill him. Just a slight difference. She kept hitting him with the van. Yeah, she wasn't trying. I mean, that's a hot mess it's of not a relationship. A, it's not an active, and it's not an active trying to murder. You know, Jane is not a murdering murderess who murders. I'm just saying, don't don't blutter off the hook. So the plan is there's a factory district area that has a hermetically sealed room that if they put Kilgrave in this room, they don't have to keep him drugged because you can't hear him. And Simpson is saying, let's wait. Let's wait. I can set this room up for you. We can make this happen. And you should kill him. You should just shoot him in the head. No, not going to do it my way. Fine, I'll help you anyway. And this is where we get the flashback where she's dressed as a sandwich and saves a little girl from a car. And we move directly from that moment to finding Malcolm in the elevator, just passed out. And we're feeling even worse for him now. Is it possible to feel worse for Malcolm than we did before? Yes. Yeah, probably. We're going to feel even worse for him later in this episode. Uh, This is where we get that conversation with Simpson and Trish about her background and about how she helped Jessica. And uh, then we get a call. We, we, we scoot over then to Jessica, back to Jessica, t- trying to help Malcolm. So she's helping one victim of Kilgrave and gets a call from another victim of Kilgrave. It's Hope, and she needs money. What does she need it for? She won't say, but she is definitely working everything she can with Jessica to say, bring me the money, or we're not going to talk anymore. And then you see a person called Sissy who's in the jail with her, who is intimidating and who you think, okay, uh, that's maybe that money's for her. Maybe that's like, yeah. it's like check off Sissy. <laughs> it definitely plays into the main plot here, but we get another flashback with, which has the costume. This is where they make fun of costumes and make fun of masks and make fun of superhero names. It's all that postmodern superhero stuff. You have to get through. And then once you get through that, you can either throw the character into the costume anyway, or you do like we do here, where Jessica is going to be a superhero without a superhero name, without a superhero costume. And that's okay. It fits the character for sure. I don't know. Naked woman could be effective. 
I'm just saying that what we get with Jessica fits Jessica. So, uh, Back to the present day, they follow Malcolm. They're ready with the anesthetic. Simpson, he's there as backup. Trish is there as driver. Simpson, he's going to move in, and he gets, he gets seen by Kilgrave. But Jessica acts as a diversion so Simpson can take the shot. They get him right in the neck with that little dart thing, and they take him away. But before they're able to enact their plan, he has a tracker. Well, and you got to love it because you're like, wow, this is really going fast. This is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fast. Because <laughs> I thought they'd take like eight, nine, maybe even ten episodes before we got this. But wow, we're going to be seeing a new Hydra and everything soon. No, because the tracker comes. or Not a tracker. The goons come because of the tracker. There's a big fist fight. And the goons run when they see that their tasers don't work on Jessica. But they worked on Trish. And she feels bad. And you know, Simpson tries to console her. but Oh, he'll console her later. Yeah. Wink, wink. So Jessica and Simpson, they have a difference of opinion about how to proceed. But they figure out that these goons are being paid to be there. They are not under control. Well, she did... Do a little Colson-esque, well, shielded, and a little interrogation. And we do see a difference of opinion here because, you know, Simpson, he wants to keep going. Yeah. But Jessica, again, she's got a nose for the truth and she knows we're not going to get any more out of this because he's not Kilgrave. But I think he's telling the truth. Yeah. I think he's telling the truth. But There's nothing more here to hear. Yeah. And then we come back to Malcolm's place. He's trying to buy drugs and he doesn't have the money and it's a bad scene. He's definitely an addict. Whatever else you want to say about him being under control by Kilgrave, he is addicted. He needs the drugs. He needs the hit. He can't get it because he doesn't have the money. And so now it's. uh, Malcolm even makes the point of pointing out that, you know, Kilgrave's powers do wear off. Yeah, I went back. Yeah, and he kept going back. So some of those times he was just doing it. And again, this is Kilgrave having control of him without necessarily using his power because he has that addiction that he holds over him. So this is yet one more person. Now we're going to three. Three people Kilgrave controls without using his powers. The guards, Malcolm some of the time, and we'll get to the third one. But Malcolm says, he also tells Jessica, you can't save me again. We get a flashback to... And we're like, what? Yeah. Well, we get a flashback to Jessica. Malcolm is getting beat up. Jessica saves him. Well, someone's getting beat up. Well, we find out it's Malcolm at the end of the scene. But it is nicely done. I mean, it's possible that Jessica doesn't know that that was him. It's possible that she didn't know it until he said that. But I don't know. I don't know. It's likely. Anyway, she flashes back to her first... Well... She flashes back to her her superheroing, but this is the first meeting with Kilgrave. She saves Malcolm. She turns around. There's Kilgrave with two ladies. He sends them on her way on their way because he is taken by Jessica. He is, he is smitten. He is twitterpated because here is someone who is kind of like him, only not quite as good, which he makes sure to say a couple different times. And he likes what he sees. Yeah. So 
And, and again, even his little comment, he says basically to the girls, you know, you're, you're boring me. You know, he's someone who needs to be entertained. He does, and that's going to come back. Well, but I'm not going to say any more than that, I guess. But he he is a gifted, powered individual. And so in a way, this is similar to the scene with, with uh, Luke and Jessica, uh, where they kind of realize we both have powers. Now, the difference is with Luke and Jessica, they talk to each other and they both were a part of, you know, let's 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 work through this and talk through this here. It's just Kilgrave. Kilgrave is. Oh, wow. I see this. Oh, wow. I want to bring you with me now because you are like me. And this is the beginning this is the beginning. And again, we're moving fast here. Although this is episode five, we aren't moving fast, are we? But we're getting that background story. We're getting the background. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff we could have gotten earlier. We've had hints, but now we, we literally see that meet cute. And uh, we we can see what he sees in her. It, it, the curiosity the fascination of something that is truly extraordinary. I mean, this is happy, giggly Jessica discovering her powers, and it is something to behold, and Kilgrave loves watching it. Yeah, he has beheld it. So from here, we go back to Malcolm, and he is handcuffed in her bathroom, so she is going to try and save him. She's making him go cold turkey. She gives him the option, you know, you can join the human race, or you can go back to your drugs. Here's some drugs. And from there, we get our wrap up here. Hope gets beat up in jail. Not good. Uh, Kilgrave wakes up in his safe place. He loses a tooth. He calls Jessica. He starts playing some head games with, with her. He but again, when he loses a tooth. He smiles. It's he like laughs, it's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. No, well, actually, more than that, it's here's something out of my control. Huh. This feels kind of. It's new. It's a new feeling. Oh, look at that. I just lost a tooth and somebody did this to me without me having a chance to not give them permission because she punched him. <laughs> she just totally punches him when he's unconscious and helpless in the van. And you get the feeling that she liked doing that. She is then told to do the job that Malcolm had. Every morning at 10 a.m., she is to send a picture. And you texted this to me. Uh, send the picture, save the junkie. It's the Jessica Jones version of, of uh, Save the Cheerleader, Save the World. Is that? It is. I, yeah. I, the reason I sent you to that was so I wouldn't forget it. And so Jessica Jones, <laughs> after l talking to Kilgrave, he texts her afterward. Come on, I'm waiting. She has to decide. And so she goes into the bathroom where Malcolm is. And I almost feel like she's just trying to decide, is he worth saving? She doesn't say that. But she walks in. She sees that he has thrown the drugs into the toilet. Now, he hasn't flushed them yet because she needs to see them. Because that wouldn't work very well uh, in the terms of visual storytelling here. But she goes in. She, I feel like she's looking at him and saying, okay. Yeah, you are worth saving. I, I think you're right. I think she's literally going in there to make her decision. She's going to weigh 
his worth mm-hmm. is her inconvenience and now continued interaction with Kilgrave worth this person. And she goes and takes the picture then and sends yeah, it to him. Because I do, by the way, I get the sense. She knows and believes him to be honest. When he says he'll do it, he means it. You mean Kilgrave? Yeah. yeah. It's not like she's atta- he's attacked Patsy. When he said Patsy was safe, she believes felt it, yeah. he, she was sa- he was, she was safe. So she's, she sends a selfie and she is the third person here. He has her doing his bidding without his power by using other things, other means of leverage against her. So he uses money. He uses the promise of drugs for Malcolm and here the threat of violence against someone that she cares about or is learning to care about more. It's yeah. I'm again, I don't feel a lot of stress or tension watching this, this episode I liked it because we get background, we get details, we get to see Jessica before she became who she is when she's Jessica Jones in our, our series here. I like, I like these details that we're learning and, and all that, but, uh, Kilgrave, he's, he's nasty. He's bad. He's oh, bad yes, he man. Is. He's a bad, bad man. He's a bad, bad, bad man. So, yeah, he's ruined this person. Well, there's before Kilgrave and there's after Kilgrave. Yeah. And the after Kilgrave is a wrecked human being. And again, even Malcolm questions his own motivations and how much control. He's become a victim, you know. Well, I, I didn't need to do it, but I chose to do it, you know. He's doing all these things in his head. He feels like a victim from real life. But now he's chosen to step over that threshold. I mean, Jessica... In choosing to do what she's done, she is giving him a gift, a second chance, and he has to decide if he's going to take it. She has to decide if it's worth giving to him in the first place, and she does. She handcuffs him in his ba- in her bathroom. She, you know, gives him her her version of a pep talk that she couldn't give to Trish early on. Um, yeah. It, and so you have, again, these are all victims now banding together to help each other. And so as much as there's all these metaphors with Kilgrave for kind of that, um, that rape culture kind of thing, that, that um, manipulation for the, with the male-female domination dynamic that you get with Kilgrave you know, wanting to control and dominate. There is that element, and that is pretty much the main driving force of this series. But then you also have this you know, addiction and how addiction just takes control of you and makes you do things you would never, ever do. But this – and so that's Malcolm's little sub-theme sub with, with Kilgrave. Kilgrave for Malcolm represents addiction and how it turns you into a new person – who is willing to hurt people in order to get that next fix. And, and then you have Simpson who wants to be that white knight who wants to be that savior, uh, you know, to help people, but then is, is told to do the ultimate evil and forced to do the ultimate evil. And so you have all these different people's lives that Kilgrave touches 
um, it's, it's brutal. It's mean spirited. And in other hands, this series really could be an awful thing to watch, not because of the, the awfulness, but well, here's something I could compare this to. Um, I imagine you, you don't watch American horror story. Nope. No. <laughs> okay. The last couple of seasons, I just have, and maybe it's been the whole way through, but it just kind of hit me with the last, especially the last one um, the, 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 that's been on Netflix. That is, I haven't seen the one that's, that's most recently aired. It's just mean people, nasty people doing nasty things to other nasty people. And that doesn't sound like fun. It's not, it's not fun. Uh, now there's some good people thrown in the mix, but even them, they, they end up compromising. And so here it's different though. Here, it's people who are wounded and hurting people who are trying to reach out to other wounded and hurting people, but they, you know, they're hindered by their wounds. They're held back by the things that have helped hurt them. And, you know, when you are hurt, it's hard to allow people to come back in again. And so that's where, you know, the whole thing with Trish and Simpson metaphorically the way it worked out him putting the thing outside her door her opening the door and bringing the thing in her opening the door and letting him come in when she's still got some protection and dude then, it's a gun not a thing yeah but <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about it in in vague generalities but uh for her then she ends up trusting him i wish we could have seen more of that but you can kind of understand where she's got the literal walls and the metaphorical walls and the literal door and the metaphorical door. And she's allowing him to, to come into her life. And it's, there are things about this series that make it so I can't recommend it to everyone just full stop period. I can't, but there are things about the series that I just feel like watching it. Like I said, it's, it's, it's those, those ideas of, um, these these things to confront and be confronted by uh, that I wouldn't be normally or that I would maybe read as a headline. And, and this is the power of story. The power of story is giving you people's lives, especially people that are different from you where you're able to see and hear and maybe even understand and learn. And it's the power of story. And I do believe story is very powerful. So when you have something like American horror story, where it's like I said, nasty people doing nasty things to other nasty people or doing nasty things to good people and turning them into nasty people. Um, there's power in that. And for me, it's, it's a depressive power. At least here, there's still some hope. Although seeing what happens to hope, it's pretty awful. So do you think there's hope for hope? I think there's always going to be hope for hope. Um, Watching through the first time, I was worried. I was very, very worried about what was going to happen to Hope, and and um, I I didn't know where where that was going to go. I I thought she'd be dead by now, honestly, with with Hope. So, yeah. All right. Well, anything else to say here? I think there's a couple things. No, I I think we hit the main points. I mean, I I feel bad sometimes because for. An episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We go on for hours and hours and hours. Honestly, here, the synopsis the themes. Things are just slower paced. 
And so there, it just feels like there's a lot less material in probably about 10 more minutes of story. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's bad. The pacing, I think, actually works for this show. Let's talk real quick then about the superhero Jessica Jones. Well, she's still not exactly sure she was. Well, that's just it. I mean, she Kilgrave says to her, you enjoyed that, didn't you? When, when she beat up the thugs and she says she enjoyed beating up the thugs because she helped someone and made a difference. And so that's the superhero motivation. But is um, that her moment? Because let's remember the comic. She was an Avenger. Well, it can't happen here. No, it can't. And yeah. How many times did she go out and do this? I don't know. I mean, well, I, and, and did she do it for Kilgrave? I mean, was this a play for him, for her to be a superhero? Well, was she more mean? than, or was she just muscle? So you, you're saying before she did this? Well, I mean, this or? one time to me does not make her a superhero. It makes her a good Samaritan. Yeah, but I think she was doing this. Intentionally, she was talking to Trish the whole time. About, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a superhero. I'm going to go out. I'm going to use my powers to save. It's people. not like she was on patrol. I wonder if she was, though. I think she might have been on patrol. I don't think she's on patrol. I think she's just walking around. That's on patrol from what? place to place, walking around from place to place, looking for the intention. Not to... looking for trouble. Patrols, you're looking for trouble. I think she is looking for trouble. I think that's what brought her there. Was she was looking for trouble. She's a woman in Hell's Kitchen walking around at night. Of course she was looking for trouble. Yeah. Glad you see it my way. <laughs> well, should we open up the listener feedback and then come back and, and uh, grade this episode? Let's do it. All right. Witness statements. Hey, Daniel, it's not going to take us very long to go through our listener feedback. You know why? Oh, let's hear it. There is no listener feedback for this episode. Man. <laughs> well, again, it's it's the season, it's the timing, it's all that stuff. And and I don't know. I I'm here we are, you know? Yeah, let's, what you gonna do? We're not gonna do uh, much. Again. It's kind of what we expected. Honestly, this is kind of what we expected as we were preparing and, and putting things together for our, our recording schedule and, and all that. So yeah. All I'm saying is we're welcome to level seven. And we are a show based on fans. So, and, and other agents. So let's let's get some feedback in here. I know there's fans out there. I know there's fans of Jessica Jones. I know people like it. Um, people have talked about it on our Facebook page, why they liked it. They've also talked about why they aren't going to watch it. And so all we can say is, hey, we want to hear from you. We want other voices. That's the biggest thing is we want other voices to be able to sound off about this this stuff. So, yeah. So that's that's that. So let's let's go on and let's let's give our ratings. Let's grade this this episode. Are you ready? Let, let's do it. Let's do it. Final report. All right, Daniel. So yes, sir. we're going to give this a 1 out of 5 grade. All one right. being the worst. Five being the best. This is something we do for the Netflix series that just started with Daredevil, and we're continuing it today with this. So, Daniel, what do you give this episode, also known as 
the sandwich saved me? I think I'm going to give it, after much reflection and discussion, four stun guns. Four stun guns or tasers or what were those? I mean, they're like cattle prods or something like that. Electric batons. Sure, sure. So, and I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking about how much I liked it and what I didn't like. And I, I'm going to give this a solid four cattle prod tasers out of five, which if you take our scores and average them together, four plus four is eight divided by two is four. It's an average score of four. I'm so glad you did the math because I came up with 3.756. Ooh, you were off. You were off. (sighs) Math is, you know, math's not my strong suit. It's hard. Math is hard. That's what Barbie taught me as a kid. Math (laughs) is hard. (laughs) So, I guess with all that said, I want to say thank you for listening, everyone. And I want to say Godspeed, everyone, wherever you are, wherever you're going. I want to say, please, call in that number. And don't let past Ben take up all of the the voicemail time. You you can have some too. Daniel, you can have some as well. So yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Daniel, how about you? Well, man, I'm just glad I'm I'm here to have these conversations with you so I can be a role model. Because you know, Ben, you want to be a hero? I'll show you how to be a hero. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. Ben, you know you totally stepped on my line. What line? I was totally going to use Send the Picture, Save the Junkie. Oh. And I was even going to make a Heroes reference. Well, you still could have done that. Well, but you you, you stole it all. You even took the Hero. If you hadn't done the Heroes reference, I would have totally, totally gone with it. So then I had to struggle. Oh. I I had a line all ready to go. You well, which one it? were you going to use? I was going to say this. Hey, Daniel, this, this is how I would have closed this down. Until I realized that I didn't get the quote at the end. I would have said, hey, Daniel, did you ever have G.I. Joes growing up? Mm. Yeah. And did, did you ever take them apart and mix and match their pieces? No, I, I didn't actually. I did. I did. And I would, I would take my screwdriver in the back and I'd turn it, you know, and take them apart and switch out the arms and the legs. I actually would take Flint's head, put it on the Bat Trooper's body. And so it was Cyborg Flint. And it looked really, really cool. But sometimes they wouldn't go back together the way they were supposed to. And you know what I would say then when they would when that would happen? I'd say, you G.I. Joe, you definitely have a screw loose. That, that's really what I was Yeah, I'm glad 
yet that it was me. You know, I, I do <laughs> Wait, have that was to good. Admit, that was good. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I he, here is this too cr- too, too close to real life? I looked at a, a colleague today and said, "Would you put day drinking under experience or special abilities?" <laughs> well, that may have told you how the day at work was, but yeah, she didn't really respond. I'm thinking it's a special ability. I just wouldn't put it on my resume. Well, in your field, that may not be the best thing. Well, and by me putting it on my resume, I mean just in general, don't put that on your resume. That's all. Hmm. I'm trying to think. If I was to review resumes, would would day drinking be something I'd be excited about? No, because no. I'm a stiff. <laughs> I see that sort of thing on a resume, and I think somebody's trying to be funny, and then I, I'm stiff, so I... Yeah. I'm not as fun loving as I, I make everybody think I am Ben. The resume is not the greatest place to, you know, try and come through with that sense of humor that you think is funny. It's true. It's true. 